The Lord appears to Elijah from 1 Kings 19. There he went into a cave and spent the night, and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Thank you, Don. Well, last week uh, in Advent Sunday, we looked, we had our ritual, those who were there, we looked at the idea of darkness or the fears in our heart. Uh, we looked at naming those fears and we looked at sharing them and bearing them as a community. One of the things that came up uh, was the idea that the divine in life, the, the divine spark in life, or God, is not just in the light, but also in the darkness as well. That poem that I, I read a little bit last week from uh, Henry Vaughan called The Night, where uh, one of the lines says, there is in God, some say, a deep but dazzling darkness. And from the hymn we heard today, um, Immortal Invisible, Tricks there in the actual title there, Immortal, Invisible. Oh, Lord, we would render, oh, help us to see. Tis only the splendor of light hideth thee. The idea, again, of God being in the darkness. And, and really, going back to the idea of Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. There, again, you have the idea of God being in the darkness. I mean, traditionally, you know, Christmas and everything, we think of God as being light, but there's also the idea of God being in that darkness. And I think as we travel into Advent and towards Christmas, it's interesting to look at the nature, you know, of what we call the incarnation. You know, Christmas is supposed to be about the incarnation. Literally, that, that word comes from incarne, which means literally in flesh. Carne is the Latin for flesh, enfleshment. And the idea of Jesus coming into the world is the idea of the spirit being made flesh and coming amongst us. The idea of the spirit being made flesh and coming amongst us. That's what we really look forward to at Christmas. And for me, you know, it's not actually something new. But, you know, in Jesus coming, what happened was you know, my perspective, the realization of what had existed all the time. 
Jesus was really reminding us of what had existed all the time, demonstrating those, his two natures, the human and the divine. Jesus was saying that we too have two natures, human and divine. And in a sense, we have an enfleshment. The spirit is with us. We are an incarnation. We, are, we feel and we are flesh, and yet within us there is a spirit, and therefore we are also that incarnation. So Christmas for me is really about celebrating that realisation, not, dis- not having it happen for the first time, just like we celebrate Galileo discovering that the earth moved around the sun. It always had been that way. The earth had always moved around the sun. Galileo said, look. And I think in the same way Jesus was saying, Look, he brought this realization to consciousness. And yet, if you look at, try and work out where the divine nature begins and the human nature ends, we end up in all sorts of problems trying to work out that which is human and that which is divine. Like trying to identify God as either being light or dark. I mean, it's the same sort of thing, or human or divine. We come up... when we try and work that out with a level of specificity that, as the Bible says, is too lofty for us. We can't really work it out. And those people that try and work it out and say, this is the way it is, well, I mean, how do they know? I mean, they've got just, you know, I I don't understand how people can say, this is it. I mean, we don't. The truth of the matter is we don't know. And I, I always think that, that reading of the story of Elijah meeting God is so interesting in this way. You know, he's told to go to the mouth of the cave and God will pass by. So he's looking out there like we do, you know, looking out there. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake, but... The Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came the fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And Elijah heard it. And he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So in our life, you know, God is not necessarily in the manifestations that happen, not in the wind, not in the darkness of the earthquake, not in the fire but in that still, small voice. And in trying to put a finger on where, you know, we can look at those other scriptures in in, in the different traditions which say exactly the same thing, not in the darkness, not in the the, uh, um, fire, not in the earth, not in the still soul. In Hinduism, the two words in, in the Hindu scriptures, neti, neti, N-E-T-I, is a Sanskrit, which means not this and not that, neither this nor that. And it sort of constitutes, an, you know, when, when you do that in Hindu uh, religion, it constitutes an analytical meditation where a person tries to understand the nature of the divine by first understanding what is not the divine. You look at what's not. It corresponds in... In, in Christianity, you have what's called the via negativity, the, the whole idea of the apophatic theology of, of opening ourselves up, totally surrendering and, and realizing that we don't understand and letting go of our understanding. And in the Chinese uh, Tao Te Ching, the Tao that can be told, it says, is not the eternal Tao. The Tao that can be spoken of is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. 
not this, not that. And so even our attempt to look at light and darkness, at the human nature and the divine nature, to some extent we're leading ourselves astray in our attempt to understand what the divine is. And I think that's the key here, looking at the incarnation, looking at where it all exists. It's simple, the key to understanding it, yet we're unwilling to countenance it. And the key is very simply that the divine is not understandable. It really isn't understandable. And that word understand is an interesting word. Understand literally means to stand in the midst of. Here, the Latin word under doesn't mean beneath. It means between or among. The Latin word inter means between or among. So to understand is to stand in the midst of. And to be able to understand God, we have to be able to stand in the midst of God. And as it says in Psalm 139, you have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Where can I go for your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? Especially at Christmas, we're always looking to understand, looking to know, looking to put our finger on it, looking for that spirit, looking for a relief from suffering, looking in the darkness, looking in the light. And I think really what we have to realize is that the true knowledge of that spirit of that divine is too lofty for us. It's not something we can understand. And that's a difficult one because we always want to know. You come to church to find out. You, know, you want to know what's going on. And we always, we always want to be sure. You know, many religions are based upon that concept of surety, of being right, of knowing that you're saved or that you'll be not reincarnated or that you are following the true path. Just knowing all that is really what you're looking for. And few people really offer not knowing Actually, they do, but, you know, those are the bits that aren't really pushed very hard. That old thing I mentioned a few weeks ago about the spiritual life being like a swimming pool. You know, all the noise comes from a shallow end. And it's the same sort of thing that not knowing is, there's a depth to it. There's the cloud of unknowing in Christianity, which is really saying, look, don't know. The idea of actually in other religions, but it's not popular because we want to know. So... If the truth is, even at Christmas, that we can't know, if we're unable to stand in the midst of the divine, the key question then is, you know, what can we know? Why are we bothering? You know, what, what is it that, that we can be sure of? And I think that's the point that we have to withdraw into ourselves. We have to netty netty to not this not that not look out and try and name something and become aligned to it because if we did if we aligned ourselves to something we'd be aligning ourselves to something that's not this and not that we can't actually align ourselves to something out there and so really the journey has to be a journey within it has to be a journey inside 
to cultivate. The journey has to be one of cultivating a space where the fullness of all we are can dwell within that space because we're giving room for that space to be born, that space for the divine to be born within us. That's what we have to do. That's the legend of Mary, the mother of Jesus. That's the whole story, is the space within her. You know, in the six months, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. How will this be? Mary asked quite naturally, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Not much information, but, you know, you say, right, it's going to happen. And Mary answered, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left him. Now that statement is fundamentally a statement of humility. I am the Lord's servant. May your word come to me and be fulfilled. The legend is that through her humility... Mary created a space that enabled the Spirit to enter into her, and as a result, the child of God was born. That's, that's how the legend works. And we have to create, that, that is a message in Christmas, we have to create that same space within us, a space that's unadulterated by world news, by family crises, by the demands and pressures that are on us by our worries, by our hopes and fears. It has to be unadulterated by all of that. Within us, we do have the possibility of creating that pure space, that not this and not that. And it's out of that that we can truly live. You know, Mary has that wonderful statement, uh, which is in church circle called the Magnificat, that explains what happens to you when you create that space. When you do go in and create that space, she describes it. She says, my, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to all who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has brought down the rulers from their thrones. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant, remembering to be faithful to Abraham and his descendants. Now that promise is, is a promise to us as well, if we can open our hearts and create that purity of space within us. And In the creation of that space, we are really making ourselves ready for Christmas, which is what Advent's about. We are making ourselves ready. We are preparing for Christmas. We are in Advent, Latin, advenire, the the coming to, the arrival. We create a space within ourselves for the arrival. And that space, if we create it, contains both light and darkness. It contains both the divine nature and the human nature. So the question is, how do you create that space within you? Because I think that this is, you know, the key thing of creating that central centrifugal force. You know, you put that, the centrifuge on a string, it just is upright. 
And the creation of the space within you is like creating a centrifugal force within you that actually gives you that calm that you need as all the stuff is going around you, families, crisis, politics. That is the, the centering aspect of it. You have to go in to do that. You have to be prepared to stop, and you have to be prepared to use a practice to allow the earthquake, wind, and fire to swirl around us and still to go within. You know, to use a daily meditation practice or a centering prayer or a quiet time to say those words, I am the Lord's servants, may your word be fulfilled in me. And to have that place of humility. I always bang about the Meister Eckhart's three statements, you know, that that, that place is created by going to a space where you realize that you want for nothing, spiritually. You may want a car or whatever it is, but spiritually you are wanting for nothing. And therefore there's nothing to will. There's nothing you have to make happen. And in that wanting nothing and willing nothing, if you can also know nothing, not wanting to find out what's going on, but just be in a place of knowing nothing, that is the place where you create that space. Wanting for nothing, willing nothing, knowing nothing. Just being present, just being there. It's a complete openness to being affected by that which we acknowledge that we don't understand. That is how you contact it. You acknowledge you don't understand it. We do not stand in the midst of it because the knowledge is too lofty. Instead, we create the space. If we can manifest it from within, then that space is our home. It becomes our home. It becomes the place where we go to. It is, a home is a dwelling place, a house or an abode. Within that, we, you know, having that as our home, we can withstand anything. We can withstand earthquake, wind and fire if that place is our home. And yet most of us rush around trying to stop the earthquakes, get out of the wind and put out the fire. You know, we spend our lives trying to do that in our lives. And we end up, we end up chasing our tails because in reality it is netty, netty, not this, not that. We're not chasing the essence of life. We're chasing the phantoms that swirl around us all the time. To truly connect, to hear that still small voice, which, let's face it, is really what we all want to hear. That's all we really want. You know, if we were able to put up our hands and say, yeah, I can hear that still small voice. I mean, what else would you want apart from hearing that still small voice? It is, we sort of almost discount it and say, oh, well, you know, no, that's not going to happen to me. But if you can really go within, create and abide in a home that's made of the essence of life, the womb of creativity that will give birth to the divine within us, and his name shall be great, and he shall be called the child of the Most High. As it says in that famous reading, and this really is the reading, this is why this is the reading of Christmas. You know, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For unto us that space a child is born, unto us a son is given within us. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's within us. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. 
He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That is the meaning of that. It is the creation of that within us. That's the promise that's to us all in our troubled times. And it's incumbent upon us to create and build that child within us by creating that space, our home that's within us. And just to finish, a wonderful quote from Meister Eckhart, who lived in the 14th century. He said, What good is it to me if the Son of God is born to Mary 1,400 years ago, but is not born in my person, in my culture, and in my time? That's our role to have that born within us for us to become the incarnation and to become that centre of peace. That's our contribution that we make to the world. That's how we stop the madness. Let's pray. So, Lord, we do pray for all those areas where there is earthquake, wind and fire. Think of California. Think of the earthquakes going on in the Middle East, Iran, Russia, Chechnya, Iraq, Afghanistan. There's people in prison, in hospitals, earthquakes going around there. And we pray for our own community here, particularly pray for our visitors, our guests every night now uh, who haven't got homes, who are living downstairs in the gallery in the new night shelter that we're running at the moment. Just pray for all those coming, average of about 12 people so far. Lord, you know who they are. We pray a blessing upon them. Pray for our town. Pray for the economy of the town, for the winter economy those who are visiting. Pray for the valley, those who are in fear and difficulty through their status. May we be that centre of light and peace to those around us. We pray for those of us in our community who are suffering at the moment. We pray for Tricia Nichols, who's not well at the moment, Tricia Hill, Ivan Kassar, who's got a very bad back that needs an operation. Pray for Royal Edwin, Will Welsh, Barbara Orcutt, Tegan Sullivan, Mary Brewster, Soleil, Lee Bouguet, particularly praying for Lee Strickland at the moment. Pray for Betty Van Der Veer, who's not well. Gary Daniel. family of Brock Jones, brother of our new bookkeeper, Terry, who passed away recently, and the family of Joanne Roboski, who died recently. Well, we just ask your blessing and your power on those people that you will enable them to reach some sort of peace within the situations that we're in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.